Florida. I'm done with Seattle. I'm over Seattle. I got one the whole time. I was there two months. I got one person to do in person in Seattle. I still, I did episodes. I didn't be a zoom, but uh, I just couldn't make it happen. Uh, had a couple of people uh, just didn't work out, but thank God we got one. So uh, uh, we got one, but I'm back here uh, in studio and I have a guest in studio here with me here in South Florida. It's a returning guest. I'd like to welcome to the show. Mr. Woody Compton. Welcome to the show, Woody. Thanks, Rob, and I appreciate you taking on a difficult subject this time. It is. It's going to be, I have a feeling it's going to be a little contentious, a little controversial. Not contentious with us, though, because, all right, Woody, uh, well, first, let us know, what what's the what's the elephant in the room that we're going to talk about now? The fact that I think Sandinista is not an album that should be a triple album. And should only be a single album. Yes, I think it should be cut down to a single album. You think yeah. it would be one great single album? Yes, and also if you look at the way that they've released a lot of albums now with these special editions by bands, I could see this being something where it was an original single album, they might have a bunch of B-sides included with the CD, and then maybe another CD of all the dub tracks. Okay, so a bonus. So you feel like they gave all the bonus material that should have been done 20 years later, they just threw it all out right at the beginning? And it's mixed in with the other songs. If they had been one great album that was a single album, and then there had been, you know, another album that was just, you know, dub cuts maybe. But B-sides are B-sides for a reason. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's so here. Here's where we're going to differ, and it's not even going to be contentious because I'm not going to argue. Like, so what? What he did was you actually picked twelve songs that you thought would make the great San one Sandinista, six songs each side because mm-hmm. we're doing obviously we're talking about records, six mm-hmm. songs sides, twelve songs, and I'm not going to argue against any of the songs you picked because mm-hmm. I love the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, and- love, I mean, I got this when it came out. Mm-hmm. Did you get this when it came out? I got a little story for that. Um, I remember my dad buying it. He bought it in Kentucky at a record store. Wait, did he buy it for you or for himself? Not for himself. He was cool. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and I remember buying it, and that's one of the cool things about this record. I remember that it had a sticker on it. It said, like, 7 dollars do not pay more. Yes. 
and it was a so it was the same price as a single album. Yes. And I, I saw that and I'm like, well, Dad, why is that on there? I said because the Clash took a, a royalty cut to put it out wow. cheaper. Your I dad was like, knew what was up. Oh yeah, and I was like, that's pretty cool. But I remember him buying Sand and Easton. Oh okay. Yeah. All right, so he got it. By the way, I should mention, Woody, we didn't mention you are, Woody, uh, you are uh, one half of the Is This Tomorrow team, right? Is mm-hmm. This Tomorrow? Uh, you could find them at isthistomorrow.com. We should have mentioned that. And real quick, I should have mentioned uh, patron, our newest patron, uh, Eric Lowerman. Welcome to the Patreon family, Eric. Uh, it's great to have you as a patron. You can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron of the show. And any dollar amount you want, but I suggest large dollar amounts. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, yeah. Woody. That's but that's totally un, unnecessary of you to say that. I think a couple of that. zeros on the end of most numbers <laughs> is about appropriate. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. All right. So you, so your dad. Wow. So your dad was cool. So your dad got it. But were you? So would you and your dad like listen to the same stuff? Like he would buy a record and you would say, "Yeah, well, let me listen to this." I don't remember him actually handing me a record and going, "Hey, you should check this out." He right. just had such a huge record collection. I would go through it. Right. Okay. And I would pull out something, and um, of course, the early Clash records, yeah. Okay. They, they were like, yeah. And then, of course, London Calling, which you've already done. Right. Um, that one, yeah, great. And I think the problem with Sandinista is it had so many things I thought were weak. I never, until maybe a couple of years ago, I never really listened to it. Really? Yeah, it put me off. Okay, really so that's why, off. see, we had a different first experience because I went out and bought it myself, which you're right. I remember the sticker. Three three album. I, I was already a huge Clash fan. You know, uh, I loved all their records. I was totally on board. Thirty six tracks, and I had Woody. I, I don't know if you remember. I had one of these turntables where you could stack up records, and it would drop one after yep. another. So I would literally go to bed at night. I put uh, headphones on, and I put all three records, and then I listened to you know side whatever side one, side three, side six one night, and then side you know, and then and then I would do that. So all of these songs got ingrained in me that this record, I accepted it as a whole thing, and I sort of grew to love just about everything on it so nothing to me even though there's filler there's obvious filler especially side six i mean it's hard to defend side six as being nothing but filler but i don't know i just have this sentimental soft spot for it so it's hard for me but i think you picked a very strong lineup and and i'm and it's good i'm, I'm proud of you because you didn't just go for the obvious ones, I wouldn't say, because there, there, you, you, you took some deep cuts and you took some surprising things. But uh, first of all, we should mention you're a drummer, obviously, and don't hold it against me. Uh, no, well, a big, well, I, I hold that against everyone a little yeah, bit if you're a drummer, but uh, but it's fine. But I, I would say a big part of of your love of this is Topper Hedden's playing because he's such a great drummer. I actually think his playing is not as good on here as it is on London Calling. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think I think the songs aren't fleshed out enough. I don't think he had enough time to really work out proper drum parts for some of it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Even though I like Topper a lot. And also, what other punk rock band could even attempt this many genres with the drummers they have? Oh, yeah. Right. No, it, it's true. It's like this is... And, and even in, in reading about it uh, after the fact, even Joe's drummer kind of admits that it, it was almost like a... Like a goof to make through it. Not like a goof, but like fucking. They knew. Fuck you, CBS. Yeah, fuck you. CBS. You didn't want us to do a double album. 
We put out London Calling, one of the greatest albums in the history of recorded music. Right. Fuck you. And they, right. Yeah. They gave him a lot of shit, and he was he was bitter because Bruce Springsteen followed up a little while with his double album, and they didn't give him shit at all. They just, oh, you want to do a double album? Okay. So he was a little bitter of that. So yeah, he kind of he kind of said, well, here's three, but yeah, like like you said, like your dad said, they gave up. Uh, a lot. They agreed to forego any royalties on the first 200,000 copies sold in the UK, and a 50% cut in royalties everywhere else. In order, so that's like a huge. They gave up a huge chunk of royalties just to release a three LP at a low at a low price. Which I mean, come on, this that's is a band cool. walking, not just talking the talk, which the Clash have been accused of doing in the past. But walking the walk, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, uh, that's, you know, hitting you right where it hurts in your Baca book. So that's a band that uh, that definitely stuck to its guns for this, at least. The only band that matters. The, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is did they, of, did yeah. they self-proclaim that? Or was that... I th- it was probably their... Uh, manager or something yeah there i think it was the manager actually but uh yeah they didn't they didn't deny it or say no you know (laughs) so yeah there was a big uh, they were big into the myth making and everything they they bought into all that but they backed it up by writing great songs and being such great and and just like like you said expanding like this you could tell anything they caught their ear they were interested in they were going to do. They dove in and they did it, but they uh, most of it they did really well too. It's not like there's not much on here where you listen and you go, eh, I don't know if they pulled it off. I mean, I, I don't know. I think I'm pretty much on board, even though not all of it's, you know, there's just so much going on. Reggae, I mean, when they do reggae, at this point, they were pretty good at playing reggae, obviously. I'm sure there's some purists that'll still say they never quite got it down and and they they may say that themselves you know yeah but that's kind of what makes a band great is influences and filtered through them because if it was just like a bob marley record who would care oh right yeah right it's true because that's everything is you do you do hear for just about everything on there's some stuff (laughs) some tracks on here which i i know one that you obviously didn't pick that i that that's like one of my favorites on here uh, that doesn't seem, you know, doesn't seem like a Clash song at all, because it's really not. They, they put their stamp on just about anything that it's, that it's them doing this and it never I don't know for me it never really came across as hokey or as um, gimmicky I always feel like they really just wherever their wherever their musical uh, excitement took them they were going to go there and, and try it out and do it and they were going to go into it with uh, gusto you know there was a, a quote from her um our music reviewer, he said that The Clash was going to end up sounding like the Rolling Stones. And it's kind of exciting that they didn't, you know? They didn't end up being a regular rock band. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. And it's interesting, during London Calling, you can feel this transition. You know, they have some kind of straight-up rock or punk stuff, but then you get this more kind of dub reggae influence right, stuff. Right, right, yeah, so you could see, yeah, yeah, right, right. 
And um, yeah, and and then, but then they they kind of still they with a with a great record. I thought Combat Rock after just a single record, but I, I still think Combat Rock's a really good record. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, and and uh, again, they 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 reined it in a little, but there's still a lot going on on that record as well. Adventurous and not worried about sticking to a punk, you know, uh, whatever, whatever punk was or a punk sound. Well, if you if you think of the punk bands, I mean, okay, the, the Sex Pistols stayed a punk band because they did one record, right? Right. But everybody else had to grow beyond that. It's very limited. And as much as I love punk records, they almost every band grew beyond that. They became more song oriented, right? Um, just being angry about politics gets it's like hardcore music for example that genre is so limited and it's uninteresting to me limited it is yeah. it's limited because it ends up being one note in the same yeah yeah even We're, the ramones kind of branched out eventually mm-hmm. a little bit after their first maybe four records were kind of yeah, like the same yeah. but it was so great that, that you almost gave them uh, i almost give them a pass but even sure. they, even they you know expanded and broadened and tried different things to you know to sometimes it worked a lot of times it didn't work but you know yeah even they did it. But if you think about like bands that were hardcore bands, you know, like Husker Du was a hardcore band. If they had stayed a hardcore band, I don't think anybody would still be talking. About exactly, them. we wouldn't be talking about them. Right. Yeah, and that's they became songwriters. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And and I so I I really respect the fact that they tried all these different genres, but I find this record really self-indulgent. Oh yeah, it is. I and, mean, yeah. There's no there's no getting around that. It is. And so you picked a single record. You you know obviously that uh, the record company did a, a promotional single disc for mm-hmm. it, right? Uh, called Sandinista Now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> not all the uh, some of the songs you picked, but not all the songs mm-hmm. you picked. One thing I noticed: you only chose uh, the third. So there was three records on the third record size five and six. You only chose one song. Yes, on I think you're thing. you're really. Most albums fall apart at the end. It's, yeah. it's true. They're usually front-loaded, yeah. <laughs> yes. There's only one, yeah, between those two. One. A great song that you picked. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Don't Surf was that one, and you could not leave it. If you left that off, I would have been angry with you. Uh, well, there's still there's still a few, and I'm sure we're going to go through song by song, um, positive or negative, right? Your, well, I'm going to go through your song by song. Well, I'll, I'll mention the ones that I thought uh, that I... See, I could... Even me, as much as I love the whole thing, I could maybe pare it down to two records, <laughs> to a double record. But uh, yeah, impossible. It's like Sophie's Choice. You're giving me Sophie's Choice. You're asking me to kill one of my children to break it down to one. Uh... So how, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go through my list or do you want to 
I'm gonna go through or? your. You know, I, no, I don't have. I, like I told you, I couldn't make a list because I'm not. Ex, I'm not accepting your premise. That it would be. <laughs> I refuse to accept your premise that I, I go down. It's like Sophie's Choice. I'm not. No, shoot, kill me because I won't let you. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad you're taking that position. That's great. <laughs> We're just going with your thing. Your, okay. Which, which, by the way, your record makes a great one record. I'm not denying that. It's okay. great, and you even changed the order. And I think. You change your order. Uh, it's it's good. You, you did a really good job. It's very well thought out. Uh, so we'll do that. We'll okay. do Woody's. This is Woody's uh, Armageddon. They called it Armageddon now. What do you call this one? What do you call it? I, I didn't think. That. I'm not prepared, Rob. <laughs> Sorry. I don't have All a right. clever name. Well, we'll think. We'll come up with something clever. Yeah. Uh, one thing I just want to mention, the original three vinyl thing had this awesome uh, trifold lyric sheet uh, called the Armageddon Times uh, number three. And it had cartoons. Do you remember that? Because it had all these cartoons yeah. about the songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it had all the lyrics to the original songs on there. And uh, that's how, when I'm when I'm revisiting this now, I know all the fucking words. Because I just remember staring at all these cartoons and reading it. I knew all the words to all these songs. It's like amazing how it sticks with you, you know? And I think the, the vocals are often buried here. And there's overdubs. So I didn't catch a lot of the lyrics, even listening to it recently. It is dense. This is a dense record. There's yeah. a lot going on. There's yep. a lot of percussion, a lot of extra. I mean, just the, the list of extra people that played on it is amazing. Oh, that's one thing I wanted to bring up that I, I found because I was noticing the bass playing I thought was great on this record. It is great. And it's not all Paul. I know. I, Simonon. I, yeah. It, it said that. Um, that oh, the guy from Norman Watroy from Ian Dury and the Blockheads played bass on Magnificent Seven, Hitsville UK, One More Time, Look Here, Something About England, The Call Up, Lose His Skin, Charlie Don't Surf. And Lightning Strikes. He played bass on all those. So uh, um, Paul Simonon was off uh, making a movie. He yeah, was making, yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, The uh, Fabulous Stains. The Fabulous Stains, yep. Uh, which is a great movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With uh, Steve Jones and Paul Cook from The Sex mm-hmm. Pistols. So he was off doing that. Yeah, so they had uh, Mickey Gallagher and Norman Watroy from The Blockheads played on, on a lot of... Uh, a lot of songs on here and they also have i can't believe i'm mentioning meatloaf again i just mentioned <laughs> him on this uh ellen foley who was mick jones's girlfriend at the time yep. which i didn't realize that sings backups on uh on a couple of songs and co-lead vocal on hitsville uk and uh she's great she's got a great voice mm-hmm. she, she has a great rock and roll voice so yeah ellen foley's on this a lot of extra people um all right so real quick uh obviously joe strummer mick jones uh, we mentioned Paul Simonon and, of course, Topper Hedden, who... Uh, uh, and, and another thing you left off, I'm just going to mention, the original one had uh, songs by all... all every, everyone sang at least one song. Mm-hmm. So I kind of... I missed that, even though it's kind of a weird song. I, I always... At first, I wondered who sang Ivan Meets G.I. Joe because it doesn't sound like anyone in the clash. And then I realized Topper. They, that's Topper. Yeah. Singing, yeah. yeah. And uh, all right, so let's get into Woody. This is Woody. We, we, we you didn't come up with a name for it yet, still, Woody. <laughs> I got to come up with an alternative name for the single disc. For the single disc, yeah, your your choice of the disc. But this is how. Uh, anyway, this is how Woody opens up his his version of Sandinista, which uh, with a banger. Let's listen to the first track, "Police on My Back." <laughs>
great. Yeah, this does make a great uh, opener. Do you know why I picked this one for the opener? Why? The thought process here is it clashes, the clash, pardon me, is going from the London Calling kind of sound to this sound, and this sounds more like old clash to me. It does, yeah. This is a throwback. So it kind of will transition from old... Yeah. Also, me, yeah, this kind of takes the place of a brand new Cadillac for me, the way brand new Cadillac is, because it's exactly. not... Exactly. So this is actually, isn't there a song? Who's it by? It's by The Equals, right? Yeah, Eddie Grant. Rock uh, down to Electric Avenue, Eddie Grant. <laughs> I had to look at him. I'm like, is that the same Eddie Grant? From, yeah, from the 60s. His group, yeah. like, way back in the 60s. Yeah. But uh, great cover. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a great cover, and it sounds like the class. It sounds like the class. It, is that a, an actual police siren? or is, That's a guitar doing a that's police siren. a guitar siren. doing a police it's siren. It's pretty cool. It's, yeah, it, it, it's awesome. It's yeah. so great. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, a, a great subject for the clash. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which kind of, there definitely, uh, there's themes going through this record. Um, and a lot of it is... Uh, the oppressed. The oppressed, exactly. Yeah. The yeah. oppressed and the oppressors. I mean, obviously, that's a big part of the clash. All right, so now we get the uh, second song you put on here. This is a, such a great song. It is, as we mentioned, it's the only song that's on that last uh, the last record, but it's such a great song. The title comes from a line of uh, dialogue spoken from what movie? Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, which apparently I guess Joe had said was obsessed with the movie at that time. It's a pretty great scene, you know. When it they, is, yeah. Yes. Uh, Robert Duval playing Colonel Kilgore. Charlie, don't surf! Definitely a uh, different sound for The Clash. Very kind of <laughs> almost light rock. Yes, exactly. Very mellow. Yes, yeah. very mellow. But uh, Topper's drumming, I, I love his drumming on this. Come on. I mean. Oh, no, it's it's the songs I picked mostly I think he plays well. Sometimes I just don't feel like the songs were fleshed out. They were like jams. A lot of these songs of on it, here, yeah, they're very yeah. much like jams. That's and when, true. That's and, true. And you know when you're writing songs, some people bring in a song and it's done. But if you're playing in a band where you just kind of jam until you get something. Right. That's often not your best version of what you played. You might need more time to think about it. And okay, I see what you're saying. I, I'm I'm sorry to slag the great Copperhead. No, Listen, yeah, well, okay. uh, tread uh, tread lightly with. Oh, that. oh yeah, oh yeah, because <laughs> um, we will get letters. Yes, no, I'm a big Topper fan. <laughs> yeah, of course. How could yeah. you not be? Yeah. Uh, so this is unique in that it's sung from the point of view of the, of the Viet Cong soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, were you into like at this time? You weren't really paying much attention to the lyrics, were you? There's only a couple songs on here that. Um, 
where the lyrics might have jumped out at me, but no, right. I think I was yeah. too young to like. I mean, I certainly the political nature of them, like we talked about the oppressed, or like you know them discussing you know the U.S. venturing to Central and South America and getting involved. That right. was pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I right. get that. Right, right. Um, and some of the general sentiments of you know police on my back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, I, yeah. But but Even I'm not you got that. <laughs> but I'm not super big into lyrics. Okay, so, right. Yeah, yeah, I remember you saying that before. Yeah. Well, this one is interesting in the verse. Everybody starts out, everybody wants to rule the world. It must be something we get from birth. One truth is we never learn. Satellites will make space burn. That that first line, everybody wants to rule the world. Did, did you did you read uh, what Joe Strummer said about that? No, I didn't. He said, this is, this is great, actually. Uh, in uh, 1988, he insisted he had proof that Tears for Fears stole that line, everybody wants to rule the world for their for the title of their hit, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And he said he has proof because he was in a restaurant and he saw Roland Torsable. And he told him, he said, you owe me a fiver. Uh, and explained that the name of their song was the exact lift from the middle eight of Charlie Don't Surf. Mm -hmm. And according to Strummer, Orzabal simply reached into his pocket and gave him a five pound note. So effectively, Strummer said that was him admitting that it was true. <laughs> but I'm thinking maybe Orzabal just wanted to get, get rid of him <laughs> and gave him five bucks. So I don't know. It's but not the world's most unique phrase. It's not. But I, so who knows? <laughs> I'd pay five bucks to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Or pounds or whatever. I know the bucks. guy, poor guy, probably just wanted to eat a meal and Please. Joe's accusing him. And I'm assuming everybody wants to rule the world was probably a bigger hit for them than anything it was, the Clash it was ever the, did. It, right? Probably, yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah. All right, so now we get... Now, so this was a surprising song for me that you put mm -hmm. it, especially that you put it early on here and that you picked this one in the first place. This is Calypso Clash, right? A Carnival Calypso Clash? Because uh, we got a uh, number three song is... We'll talk about it. It's mm -hmm. Let's Go Crazy. And all you millions out there, come down and have a nice time. The Carnival is nice. They're squeezing everybody up, but we're having a great time here. Why this song? Why'd you pick this one? I think it, where some of the songs feel like jams, where they're just kind of jamming on something, this one actually has a second part that they go to, you know, as a refrain. Oh, right. And right, it feels okay. more structured, like it was actually written as a song rather than a jam. Um, also, it, it almost seems like overtly commercial. <laughs> and, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it almost reminds me of the police, what the police did later mm -hmm. with their uh, everything, every little thing you do is magic. Yeah, that Calypso-y type rock yeah. thing, you know, it, 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 it's, it seems similar. Um, and 
Topper's drumming again. We had discussed this earlier. Like if Terry Terry Chimes, God love him, but if he was still in the band, you could not have been able to ask him to play all these different styles of music and pull it off. It just would have been beyond it. Which he no. basically admitted, like in the I was talking to Woody uh, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame acceptance, which uh, uh, Topper wasn't there, but Terry was, and Terry graciously thanked topper and and you know said when he when topper you know was fired from the band whatever left the band and and terry came back he had to play all these songs that that uh, topper had played and he said it was impossible almost an impossible task yeah and he really adapted well to these things yeah Um, uh, it's also it's it almost seems like a throwaway silly pop song but i almost think the record needed one because some of this stuff's kind of heavy Right, that's true. I I agree. I agree. Yeah. So it breaks it up a little, and it's got mm-hmm. that. Uh, I guess the the guy at the beginning and the end talking. Yeah. I guess that's Jamaican musician and producer Ansel Collins. Well, one thing I wanted to mention about that, I think when bands put talking before a song comes on, yeah, I think it often sounds cool and they're in the studio. But when you listen to it, it's like I don't want to hear that. Oh, I, it's it, it gets too much repetitive. Yeah, when you do it over I, and over. Every yeah. band I know that's done something and has like a, a talking intro before the song. I almost wish it was like you could skip it. Because... Yeah, yeah, like I, if it was a separate thing you could skip over. Okay, yeah. a little too much for Woody. I yeah. get it, I get it. All right, so now you pick as the fourth song you pick, which was the opening song on there, you had a, another song you really, you can't leave this one off uh, the record, right? The Magnificent Seven. I mean, it's got to be on your, oh, your yeah. single pick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's listen to The Magnificent Seven. <laughs> Actually, a little bad feelings from the uh, Ian Dury and the Blockheads guys uh, from um, oh, Norman uh, Watts Roy and uh, Mickey Gallagher because they sort of this was kind of based on one of their tunes. Oh, that's right. And they worked it yeah. out in the studio. And on this album, The Clash decided to just credit every one of their songs, The Clash. Yeah. Just The, the Clash. Whole band. Yep. So, yeah, they were kind of bummed uh, about that because they didn't get. Uh, and they said basically what he said was it's based on a tune of theirs. And according to uh, Watts Roy, uh, uh, what Roy uh, Jonesy said, we need something funky because J- Joe wants to do a uh, rap. <laughs> and Joe apparently wrote the words there, like just made them up there. And it's really great. I mean, he's doing great. And I was thinking, you know, this could be considered the first 
uh, instance of a rock band rapping because this was recorded in March 1980, six months before Blondie did oh, Rapture. Interesting. Yeah, and and I could say this this qualifies. No, as this rapping, is right? this is a rap. My notes say yeah, this is a rap song. Oh, well, and, Woody's notes say that it's well, a rap, then it's a rap. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, awesome bass line on the song. Yeah, it is. That's just so, so good. good. I know. Um, but the interesting thing about this is, yeah, it's basically a rap, but you know what it reminds me of? that they, I think they did a better version of this later as radio. But it might have fit on this one. Uh, okay, yeah, you know? I see what you're saying. Yeah, but it is very similar to this. Do you like it Radio is. Clash? I love This Is Radio it's Clash. Great, I love them playing it on uh, Tom Schneider. They were on the Tom Schneider show doing uh, doing the live version of that. It's huh? great. You got to find that's on YouTube. I will, yes. You got to seek that out. Yeah, his uh, just his words, uh, class goes slow in a place of work, minutes drag and the hours jerk. I love I, I love lines like that. It's no good for man to work in cages. Hits the town. He drinks his wages. Yes, that's uh, a good a one. Great uh, couplets going on there. Now, did you hear uh, the little kind of off to the mic aside in five minutes in? Uh, what What is it? Fucking long, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I'm like, that's the problem with a lot of these songs. That's they're, awesome. they're, they're way too long. Like, they just keep going and going. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, even he realized the song. That's great. Well, that shows they're kind of in on it. They're kind yeah. of in on it. And they yeah. kind of realize, yeah, we're being a little too. Yeah. We're being a little self indulgent. But we're the clash. We're the fucking clash. And we made London Calling it. so we can do what we want. Yeah. Which I kind of, yeah. I, okay. I, I, I kind of get that. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so now we get the first real reggae, the classic uh, Clash reggae. And as we were saying, this is definitely about poverty and about hopelessness, which is a real uh, recurring theme. This is the one you picked like this, though. Let's listen to one more time. Right. Hey. Oh, just like All this misery. There's no need to, brothers. Everybody can see this the, one. The one I like is the old lady 
nose karate. Oh, the nose karate. That's so funny. Walk around the street. Yeah. Yes, yes. The, the little, little baby uh, nose kung fu. He yeah, kung fu. all the people meets. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it is great. Yeah, I, that's great. I, I think that's every time I hear that, I think it's funny. So that is that part of the reason why you picked this one? Yes. Because this this could almost sound. You know how you were saying. Uh, they could have had an extra bonus with like dub song because this definitely almost could be like a dub type. Well, uh, maybe it's dub reggae. The token dub reggae song I'd put on that my. That they mix. have to have. They have well, to have I, one, I wouldn't right? want to throw all of them out. Yeah, I think that's yeah. almost unfair to what they're trying to do. Yeah, um, but it's still yeah, it's great. And again, uh, that's not a Paul Simonon apparently playing bass. That's uh, that's the other dude from uh, Ian Dury. So uh, they definitely utilized those guys a lot. And uh, that's what they did. They utilized whatever they had, you know, whatever they had. I mean, they, for as many songs around here, I think they recorded this whole thing pretty quickly. They just, they basically went in, uh, they just bashed everything out. So that's probably goes to what you were saying about some of it may, maybe it wasn't as fleshed out as it could be, but I guess that's, that's not what they were going for. You know, when you were in bands, did people bring in songs or did you jam and come up with parts? I, I'm not, I was never much of a jammer. Okay. Parts. I was more bringing in songs. Cause I worked with a lot of bands where we would just kind of sit around and mess up, you know, right, right. screw around and we go, okay, that's kind of a cool part. And then we turn it into something, but sometimes those parts kind of got discarded because right. it's like, I, I can't really make, I don't know a second part for this or it doesn't fit. And some of these feel like jams that they tried to, kind of force into songs where they needed to kind of be a little more structured. Yeah. Yeah. No, like if they had thing. a producer, well, I think if they had a, a producer with an iron hand, he might've s- done some of that. Oh, right. Right. You know, if they'd had like, you know, a Todd Rundgren or somebody. Yeah. Oh my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> no, I can't. I know. I can't either. <laughs> would uh, one of someone would have ended up dead probably. <laughs> right. Probably so. All right. So now we get a really cool, I'm glad you picked this one, even though it's a short song. Mm-hmm. Rockabilly Clash. This is Rockabilly Clash, yeah, yeah, right? Sure. You gotta have yeah. a Rockabilly one too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a really fun song though. Let's listen to the leader. Atom secret, secret leaflet. Have the boys found the leak yet? Mohill set the wheel in motion. Downfall picks up locomotion. about the Armageddon Times number three, uh, you could see snippets from the actual article that Joe Stromer saw that he wrote this song about. So this was a specific thing that was going on, and he was really good at that. He was a observe. He was a master observer mm-hmm. in uh, whatever was going on, and he would, it would just sort of catch his interest, and he would uh, write these great uh, these great lyrics and come up with this great uh, music for him. A lot of times, you know. And I think the length is also why I picked this one. I I have a a theory that you know nobody else seems to believe. But um, one of the things about the early Ramones records, the songs are like two and a half minutes long, right? Okay. A lot of early country songs are about two and a half minutes long. And it's like, I think if a song's going to be over three minutes, you got to earn it. All right. I hear you. So I really like shorter songs. Yes. And so that's kind of why I picked this. It's Ah. like, it doesn't overstay its welcome. 
Okay, well then I have a I actually have a big question for you about why you left a certain song off. Okay. Because it, it sort of goes ties in with exactly what you said. Okay. But I'm think I'm gonna save it for when we're done with this and then okay. I'll throw have, it at you. I have all the notes for every song, <laughs> even the ones that I think okay. should never all right, be anywhere. Well let's go, but I wanna go right. through your this is your okay. uh, all right. Woody's uh Woody Sandinista. Uh, if he was the if he was uh, Todd Rundgren in the studio <laughs> So dead. Saying, yeah. Yeah, dead. Um, <laughs> and this is, I think this grew to be my favorite song on the record. A Corner Soul, really? Yeah, man. It's wow. just, it's got a, a melancholy to it that really appeals to it me. It does. This is Roots Reggae Clash again, uh, the Reggae Clash. Um, and uh, I guess it's influenced, uh, I guess there's a Max Romeo song called War in a Babylon, which is this is very similar to, almost like a little too similar to, but not, uh, you know, it, it, they definitely lifted some of it from that. If you check that out, I'll, I'll play a little of that with this, but uh, let's listen to Corner Soul. you mentioned that because i have in my notes i have the song definitely has a haunting quality to it those vocals the background vocals i really think work they're chilling to me and ellen foley that's ellen foley yeah Uh, it's great the more i hear it the more i think this is maybe one of my favorite clash songs wow that's that's cool yeah there's definitely something to it like i said it's got that haunting Mm -hmm. quality and i guess the the lyrics reference rivers of blood and it, it references a specific uh Kind of a famous Rivers of Blood speech by this uh, 60s conservative British politician, Enoch Powell, who basically he was talking about how the black British subculture, uh, which Strummer sort of refers to as music. When he's talking about music, he's talking about that. The black subculture uh, can't coexist with with English white culture uh, and, and, you know, and and that the whole multi-ethnic thing wasn't going to work and it was going to implode. So basically he's saying what like Morrissey and Eric Clapton are saying now. But uh, yeah, yeah. So that that would be blood in uh, rivers of blood in the streets of Birmingham. So uh, yeah, it, it, there's there's just like a ha- haunting quality to it. And again, I just got to go back to Topper's drumming because uh, one thing I didn't mention is for a for a supposed punk drummer, which he really wasn't, right? He was just like the he's a jazz he could guy, play, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he because he's got a swing. Whatever he plays, he's got this swing. You know, I always say some drummers have it. Not all drummers do, and and some drummers I like don't. But he's got, just got a swing, and whatever he does, that just sort of, uh, 
it, it, it just so uh, it, it, it like adds so much without being flashy. You know, he's, he's definitely not a flashy drummer, right? He, he can be occasionally. Um, I'm trying to remember which song it is. It's one that's not on my list, but there's a drum part on there. I don't know how he played it. Oh, really? <laughs> I can't figure out. It's so fast. It's the it's a swing song. Oh, oh it's okay. Look Here. Look Here. Okay, yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know what he's doing. I can't figure it out. That's his, That's the jazz. That's like swing jazz, right? Yeah. But so this that's is his... no. He's doing something with his left hand. I can't figure out. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I looked up for an instructional on how to play it on YouTube and found nothing. Well, if anyone knows Topper, have him get in touch with us. So at least, if nothing yeah. else, we could help uh, Woody figure out how to do it. Maybe, maybe it was like uh, some kind of echo delay thing. Hopefully, it's it an overdub. <laughs> yeah, right? Please. Because I can't figure it out. Right. All right, so now this is another one that uh, an interesting pick for you. Uh, okay. If music could talk. Great. Don't get me wrong. I love this. This has just got got a mood to it. And with the saxophone, I guess that's Gary Barnacle. Uh, some nice jazzy sax interludes, and it's got piano there. But it's basically you're. This is the thrown together thing. You could tell because he's just scatting over it. He's just doing like a stream of consciousness. Uh, you know, talking about New York City and Errol Flynn and uh, Buddy Holly and Elvis Presley. I mean, uh, it's you talked great. me out of it. <laughs> No, but I'm just like, why this one? I mean, do you just love the uh, the mood of it? Because it definitely, again, this one definitely has like a just like a mood, like a laid back. It almost sounds like a like a, at a club, like late night at a club, you know, and just like this background music going on or something. But I don't know. I'm just surprised. It you sort talked of goes, me out of it. I know. <laughs> I, actually, when I hear it, it's like there's something I, I have a really adverse reaction to is like 80s saxophone. <laughs> Like that, like right? light rock saxophone, yeah. you know, and it's like, so I don't know. Did you pick it by mistake? It. No, no. <laughs> I, I still think it's a, it's a good song. It is it's, a good song. It's, it's just, a great uh, song. I didn't mean to talk you out of it. <laughs> no. Maybe you have to throw Rebel Waltz in instead. Oh, know. yeah. Well, no. I'll tell you. I will tell you what you have to throw okay, in there when you. we're done with you, with your with your record. I'll be told where I'm wrong. You will. Well, okay. you, yeah. All right. So okay. that could be it. But uh, this next one, you're definitely not wrong because this is a fantastic song about uh, about uh, the bleak living conditions in public housing in England. And uh, once again, just like in um, on uh, London Calling, Lost in the Supermarket, sung by Mick Jones, but actually the lyrics written by Joe Strummer. 
And Joe Strummer, I feel like, would write songs where he knew he wouldn't be authentic singing it because it wasn't really him. It wasn't his story. It's more like Mick's story. And and I feel like this is also. But good on him for realizing that because no, uh, I think that's an excellent observation. Yeah, yeah, and it's just and I, but I love this song, and uh, I'm really glad you picked this one. Let's listen to Up in Heaven. <laughs> fits into your because this is more of a song you could mm-hmm. tell this is more of a worked out song that's got some different parts to it uh oh the lyrics are just so great um you you can't live in a home that should not have been built by the bourgeois clerks that bear no guilt when the wind hits this building this building it tilts one day it'll surely fall to the ground uh yeah so cheaply built towers uh erected to house the the poor the working poor so they could get them out of the the posher districts in london uh, and, and something that goes on sadly all over the world and in the United States a lot too. Yeah, this one, um, it it sounds to me almost like an older Clash song with some of the rough edges polished. Oh yeah, 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 right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it it, it would fit on their uh, second record, mm-hmm. uh, "Give Enough Rope," yep. for sure. I think so. And uh, and uh, did you know the final verse when he says, "Alianza dollars are spent to raise the towering building for the weary bones of the workers to go back in the morning." Alianza dollars. That's a Phil Ox song. Alianza dollars are spent to raise the tower and buildings for the weary bones of the workers so they will be strong in the morning to go back again. United Fruit, it's called by uh, Phil Ox. Yeah, and, and uh, that's so they, if you look, that's the one song where it says The Clash and Phil Ox, because they did give him credit for that, because that's basically his verse at the end that they repeat. Uh, but it fits perfectly in the song. You know, something that also, because all their political stuff on here makes me think about is like, you know, when people would say, 
yeah, I'd like Rage Against the Machine, except the songs that are political. It's like, <laughs> I always think that's so funny when I hear that from people. It's like, well, I like the Clash, but I don't like the political songs. I'm like, that's all of them. Right. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> I know. You know. It's true. But some people just like it because they rock. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. I'd I, I like that they, I'd like the subject matter they typically choose for their songs. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, for I just sure. I think it's very sure. cool, and and it's it's like a big part of who they were. You know, you mm-hmm. can't separate you can't separate it with them. Yep. Uh, all right, so you get a song. This is a conscientious objection clash. Uh, yeah, great song. A little different sounding too, right? Yeah. The thing I love about um, the call up is the rhythm guitar. I just love that rhythm guitar part. Do you know who's playing that rhythm guitar? No. Part? I will tell you, Ivan Julian from the Voidoids. What? Yes, that's Ivan Julian from the Voidoids playing it's guitar. It's so good. It's that's all... so funny that you picked that out without yeah. knowing that that was they they got. Uh, Ivan I was Julian like, because I, I have my notes. Is it uh, Strummer or Jones that plays that? It's uh, neither. Isn't but that great? It's you almost, picked that out though. It's almost like a Casey and the Sunshine Band type of yeah. rhythm part, <laughs> which. I like the rhythm guitar part, so I don't have a problem with it. Right. But I really like it. Yeah, That's yeah. what makes this song for the me. The Voidoids, well, the Voidoids were great oh, musicians, yeah. man. They, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that, that's great that you picked that up. All right, let's listen to the call-up. <laughs> Yeah, that is great. That that rhythm guitar and that is it's great. It's so good. I want that guy in my band. <laughs> like, this is great. It, it is great. Do we know what the singles were from this record? Uh, we do. I have it here. Hold on. All right, four the four singles were were released. Oh, funny. The first one wasn't even on the record. Okay. A bank robber. Yeah, so Bank Robber was the first one, which is kind of cool, because that's a, that's singles used to be like just a single. It wasn't on the record. It was a single. So uh, Bank Robber, and then The Call-Up, which we just heard. The Call-Up was the second single. Hitsville UK, which that's, that's spoiler alert. That's the one I'm sort of chiding you for not including that really? on the record. And then Magnificent Seven, of course. That was the last Oh, single. okay. Yeah, Makes none sense. of them really uh, did that much. Um, you know, because that's just uh, not necessarily what the class were about. Although their last album, they did have some monster singles on that one. They had Cut the, the crap. Rock that. No, 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 I don't consider. No, <laughs> you, no. you don't consider that an album. No, I don't. I get, no, yeah. I don't. Uh, not no. anyway, yeah. shape or form. So now, and so the final two songs you picked, I, uh, they, they songs that have to be on there. So you, you did a really good job with, uh, with these okay. last two here for sure. Uh, this next one I believe is, is one of the important, well, I, you know, a, a lot of it's 
important because a lot of it's just, I mean, this one, first of all, the lyrics, unbelievably prescient by Joe Strummer because he's basically critiquing American uh, foreign policy, yeah. you know, particularly the, the the habit U.S. government has of supporting anyone who's anti-communist, yes. no matter how bad they are, you yep. know, if they're fascist or whatever. Well, Doesn't matter. At least they're anti-communist. Yeah. And this is where the album gets its name. You know, that the oh, refrain, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He mentions the sending. Yeah, so this is an important song on the record, and it's also uh, it's a great song on the record. All right, let's listen to the, uh, the great uh, Washington Bullet. Oh, mama, mama, look there. You children are playing in the street again. Don't you know what happened down there? A youth of 14 got shot down there. The cocaine guns jammed downtown. Killing clowns of blood money men Shooting foes Washington bullets again As every cell in Chile will tell The cries of the tortured men Remember Allende in the days before Before the army came Please remember Victor Hara In the Santiago Stadium Xylophone there. <laughs> I think it's marimba. Oh, marimba. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, and again, you have Ellen Foley doing some great backups again. That's great. I love the fact, obviously, at, especially when I was younger, when I heard this, I didn't really know what he was singing about, but you just, it's not just him throwing out, uh, I mean, it's very dense, but it's very musical too, and it's just mm-hmm. really catchy, and it's a great song. Apart from that, you don't really have to know everything that's going on there to appreciate it, which obviously you don't, because I'm sure me, neither me or you were that into. Because he's also he's not just skewering the U.S. He's skewering the USSR for yes. invading Afghanistan and yep. China for invading Tibet. So yeah, uh, but it, it's still uh, at, at the end of it, it's also just a really great song. He's got a lot to get in there. He speaks very quickly. Yes, and it, this yeah, one yeah. is almost a rap again, but. I really like his delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really yeah. do. And but it's like he's got a lot of information he's trying to get into the exactly. song. Exactly, he's getting it, but he's not spitting it at you either. No. He's still he's kind of just, just it's still up. laid back, it is, laid back right? but quick delivery. Exactly, um, exactly. But like again, the back background vocals when they just sing Sandinista, it's just beautiful. It is. It is. It it's really great. is, and it's such an ugly subject. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is great. I mean, that's to me. Punk rock, that's a big part of punk rock for Absolutely. me, you know? Yeah. Um, all right, so now we get uh, another great song. Once again, again, we have Mick Jones singing Joe Strummer's words, which I guess Mick wrote uh, the music to this. Joe came in with the, the words uh, to this. But again, I feel like he feels like he knows when to give it up to Mick to sing it because it's going to be more authentic, I think. And, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, this song, to me, I'm surprised this was in the middle of the record. To me, this feels like an album closer. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, it's got that buildup. It's got that terrific buildup yeah. at the beginning of it. Yeah, awesome. It's such a great song. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's listen to the book. Somebody.
Strummer like came home one night and he learned that the parking attendant where he lived had been killed over like that tiny amount of money, like uh, like five pounds or something, uh, stabbed to death. Uh, So that's what inspired it. But just uh, the lyrics: uh, "You're minding your own business, carrying spare change. You wouldn't cost a barber. You're hungry all the same. I've been very tempted to grab it from the till. I've been very hungry, but not enough to kill. I mean, that's great stuff. Great stuff." The thing is, I think their delivery of this, I believe them. Yeah, Some, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I really think their heart's in the right place. I don't feel like this is affected. No, no, not, and that's yeah. why. That's why I'm saying. That's why Mick Jones. I feel he's better to sing these kind of songs like that mm-hmm. because you just feel, yeah, the empathy in his voice, and you know, yeah, like you said, they're they're not they're not putting on airs and not faking it. This is how they were, and this is what they believed. And as uh, as radical as they may have been, and all that, yeah, they had they had lines and they had divisions, and then they were human beings, you know. The the other thing in this record that's odd, there's a lot of heavy production and overdubs and sounds and stuff. Yep. But on this, I think the barking dogs work great. Oh yeah. It's like it's <laughs> oh, like yeah yeah. Oh, yeah it's yeah. So and I just feel like that's a really whenever I hear that song, I just feel like they just should have said thanks. We're okay. Out, good. Walked no, out. it is. I, yeah. I'll tell you your 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 list of songs in your order. I you know it, it's it's great. It, it I can't I can't find fault with it except I I am finding fault with it right now. <laughs> but that's why we're here. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's hear first it. of all, Hitsville. I got to play a little bit of Hitsville UK because this is one song that that kind of hurt me deeply that you didn't have in there. We'll listen to a little bit. even the slightest hope of a thousand sales just as if there was a hitsville uk like about the music at the end of the day the music's all that should matter and all that matters but this this has the line in it it says the band went in and knocked them dead in two minutes 59 so they're saying it's got to be under three minutes (laughs) that's why you should have put this in there just for that line okay that's a good point (laughs) 
Here's the problem I have with it. Good. Is Ellen Foley is singing almost the whole song. Yes. I think I would have liked it if it had been Jones singing. So you hate women. <laughs> Actually, I prefer female singers to male singers most of the time. Most of the time. I, I not, generally prefer female singers. Not on your Clash records. Yeah, it's like it's a Clash record. That's the same reason, like, Lose This Skin. I know you like that song. I love it. But, but you know what? I'll admit, I'm, I think I'm the only person that likes that song. Well, it might have been a good single on its own. Yeah. But not on a Clash album. You I don't. Not like I don't it. buy a Clash album to have song, song, songs sung by people that aren't in the Clash. And I think Simon Dog with a weird, he's got a weird ass. He voice. does have a weird ass voice, but I, I, I don't mind duets with people. But this isn't a duet. Her vocals dominate the song. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I, I don't like. It. I hear, I hear. But lyrically, there's some good stuff. There is a band came in and knocked them dead in two minutes fifty nine. Come yeah, on, that's yeah. the Woody's credo. Yes, <laughs> you're right. All right, so the aforementioned lose the skin. I'm gonna just play. I don't have to play that. Because uh, I, I really do love that song. All right, here's a song that's buried uh, towards the end of the record mm-hmm. that I feel like gets ignored a lot and mm-hmm. that I love. It's one of my favorite songs in the record. It's kind of like a kind of like a sleeper song, I think. Uh, street Parade. Maybe you, maybe you didn't give it. Let's no, to, I, I listen. do like Street Parade. All right, listen to a little bit of Street It's one of those weird Clash songs that just kind of works, and then you don't really know why it works. Like if I feel like if I just tried to play that on acoustic, and it, it wouldn't even feel like a song. But for some somehow they make it work, and uh, I, I just always really love that. I think this might have been like one of those cool B side type songs. Right. Okay. For my selection, of the album it's like well, there's some here's some unreleased B sides. So oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. So you're yeah. sticking with your original premise, which yeah, is fine. Yeah. All right. And uh, as I previously mentioned, I would still put in. Um, uh, Ivan meets G.I. Joe and the Crooked Beat just so we'd get a topper song and the Crooked Beat that's Paul Simonon so you didn't do a Paul Simonon singing the song so uh, and I, I just I love his voice see to me the only true punk in the clash was Paul Simonon he was a he was a punk he was a punk kid you know and he I mean those uh, those guys I mean come on Joe, Joe Strummer grew up privileged a little more privileged and uh, uh, Mick Jones is, was a hippie at heart I feel like he was or more glam he was really into glam and hippie and uh, top and as we said Topper was more like a jazz guy but Paul Simonon uh, was was like a punk dude who was into reggae I mean he was the original guy that was into reggae and like brought that to him. 
I think his vocals are pretty rough on here. I think they, it's, well, they, they are. It's pretty the rough. Man can't, the man can't sing. I'm not saying. But I love sing. Guns of Brixton. So do I. Yeah. It's well, almost because it's Cockney in delivery. I think yeah. it works there. But yeah, this I, one didn't work for you. Okay, I don't think so. Fine. I think the song's actually a mess. <laughs> I w- I, there's no way if I was if I was the producer I'd be like sorry guys okay try again right. fair enough fair enough all right so is there a, you got your thing was there a, did did you feel bad about leaving anything off uh, would now you do you you admit to me that you feel bad about uh, Hitsville UK although not really you're just appeasing me I, I <laughs> you maybe would have switched that other that one song for uh, I, I I think I don't like the production of the song. Right. Oh, it's okay. not that the song okay. necessarily bothers me. Todd, once again, if um, you were Todd Rundgren in the studio, you would have. Uh, yeah. Kicked, in general, you kicked Ellen Foley's ass out of the. No, stuff. but she's great on some stuff. She is. You just didn't want. Yeah, you want. I, hear, I think yeah, she's too dominant in the mix on that one. It, okay. But in general, my my first rules were like there shouldn't be a dub version of a song on the same album. <laughs> right. They had a lot Especially of that. Especially <laughs> when it's like one of these. It's like right after the song on the album. Um, yes. And Men's Fourth Hill is just uh, backwards, one song backwards. So that yeah, I mean, I also read that these guys said they were high out of their minds when they made this. Oh well, that, it's more apparent on some songs than others. Yeah. But yeah. And so you're not down with, with the kids singing either. What are they? I mean, at some point, somebody's got to say to a band. I mean, we all know that somebody left of their own devices. It's probably not the best thing most of the time. Usually, musicians especially. They need to be reined in. It's like you've also talked on the podcast many times when a musician says, "Oh, this is our worst record," or oh, right. "Or this yeah. is our favorite record." You can't. They're go, always they're wrong. always wrong. Yeah. Always wrong. <laughs> Uh, so it's interesting how much they still have love for this record. You know, it's like yes, yeah, yeah. They, they said they wouldn't. There's some mini quotes. I wouldn't change a, a song. I wouldn't change any of it. Yes, and it's right, like, right. Which is great. You know, good for them. I mean, they they, they were all in on it. Uh, you know, and uh, hey, it is what it is. And and uh, I mean, how many how many bands have the balls to do something like that? You know, no. Would any band do that today? Pearl, I don't see Pearl Jam giving up royalties. No. Right? No. Yeah, thank you. Well, and it's just so punk rock to say, don't pay more than, and have that sticker right on there. Yeah, exactly. So if you go to the record store in the mall, they can't charge you more. Yeah, exactly. Because the sticker, what about the sticker? Yeah, it's like, look at that. It says right there, <laughs> do not charge more than this. That's all. I guess they could have made a bigger sticker and put it over that, but then you would eventually, yeah, you would have found it. you find out. <laughs> so again, this is friendly love for my wife. Friends in the Clash and uh, yeah, this no, album. I, I think you did a good job. You did, and uh, when when I first heard, I was appalled. I, I you mm-hmm. know, but you, you did a good job, and it, it, it's fair. What what you said, fair. You're obviously a fan. Oh it, yeah, it, it, you're not a hater. No, this comes from a place of love. Um, <laughs> it does. I wanted to bring up two other things real quick before we finish this out. Let's do it. Is this the first triple album ever done? It may be, it may be the first and last. And I mean, only. The, how many triple uh, albums are there, right? I don't know. Yes, it is. Uh, definitely the uh, first. And and to be honest, I didn't think we'd ever do Sandinista because it was like, how could we do Sandinista? But when you you had a good, uh, the way you approached it was good. I think it was a okay. good way to do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we did it. But yeah, I think you'll have the uh, crown. You'll keep that uh, title for quite a while. Okay. The other thing is, isn't The Clash the band that's been discussed the most times on this podcast? Because uh, it's three albums by The Clash. It is three albums by The Clash. I think you're right. Yes. Because you did the first record, right? Oh, yeah. And we did London Calling. You we did oh, London Calling. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you're going to do... Th- thank God we didn't do three records by uh, Howard jo- Jones, you know? We only did one Howard Jones record, so... That's right. If you did... Are there... Th- I wouldn't have much to do in my car if you did three Howard Jones records. I wouldn't have a podcast to listen to. I'm still surprised you haven't done, like, more Ramones records. Uh, yeah. Well... Uh, 
Because I know you're such a fan. I'm a huge fan, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you did. I mean, we did a great one, but mm-hmm. there'll be more. Believe me, I'm not stopping anytime soon. So we'll do uh, we'll do more. There's still plenty of bands we haven't done yet that I'm shocked. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually really impressed by the diversity of choices. Sometimes people pull out records. I'm like, I've never even heard of that. Oh, I know. Yeah, they, yeah. They pull them out of their ass. But usually it's good. I mean, it, it's, it's always interesting to me why someone really loves a record. So even if it's not my cup of tea, sometimes they win me over. Sometimes not, but it's always... Uh... And this is interesting because this episode isn't me saying this is one of my favorite all-time albums. I love this. I want to talk about it. No, 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 no. It's me saying this is a very flawed album that has yeah. some really great stuff on now, it. Now, what is your dad? Is your dad still around? I didn't ask No, him. no, my dad's died. Oh, shit. Yeah, he was a humanities professor. Oh, could, could we have like a set? We can have like a seance and try and get him to see because I'm curious what his... Do, do you know what his take on the record was? Like what he thought of it? No, I don't remember. I, I really don't. Uh, um, well, that would be that would be nice to know. I guess we'll I, never know that. I do know he had mad respect for the Clash. He did. Well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. just think I can't get over the fact that your dad bought for himself. <laughs> and he's denied. He was cool. He bought it for you. I don't know if I ever told you this. My dad used to give his students extra credit if they'd go see my band. <laughs> How cool is that? That's a, that's a good dad. That's a good yep. dad. Uh, well, rest in peace, Mr. Compton Sr. And uh, Woody, always great having you on. Don't forget, you guys go to isthistomorrow.com for uh, you guys. How long have you guys been doing that? Too long. I can't remember. We, we started that back when it was in a college paper, like probably 25 years ago. It's crazy. Uh, it is crazy. All right. But definitely check uh, check out isthistomorrow.com. Don't forget... Uh, on Instagram and Facebook it's at that record got me high also don't forget that Facebook group got me high you could find it now for for like a year we had it where uh, unless you were a personal friend with me on Facebook you couldn't find it so we finally took that off so you don't have to be friends with me if you find that Facebook group got me high you should join that that's a lot of fun uh, Twitter at TRGMH podcast you can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com and don't forget what's the most important thing they should do Woody Patreon and I've heard that the show only gets better the more zeros at the end of the <laughs> okay, monthly well, that's, amount. Uh, yeah, that's what I've heard. True. Who knows? Woody's pretty smart. So, yeah. uh, Patreon.com forward slash TRJMH. I'd appreciate it if you do. And subscribe. Don't forget, whatever you're listening to, subscribe to the show. Uh, helps us out. Write a review. Yeah, definitely review us. If you listen to us on iTunes, write a, write a review. You don't. Even, it doesn't have to be sincere. Make make it up. I don't care. As long as it's very positive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Five. So I will accept. Not, well, four star. Four or five. Well, a couple, someone gave me four. Gave four it's like, why? If you're going to get four stars, just get five, really. You know? Come on. What am I doing here? All right. Uh, Woody, once again, thanks for having you on. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys next week. We're out of here.